0: laughter. So here we are. We want to just share a little bit of joy with you this morning but also get deep into some relationship hacks. So we're going to be talking yes. on the idea of Netflix on relationships. Okay, So we're going to be sharing six different shows, hopefully six. We might not make it through all six. We didn't last service, so we'll see. But we're going to share on six different shows. And I just want to provide a disclaimer. We cannot confirm or deny whether we've watched these shows, and we cannot condone any actions, behaviors, or words that are spoken on such shows, okay? So I'm just putting that out there now. We are just using them to try to gain some moral value out of these shows. You yes. ready? Amen. Okay. So we're going to talk about relationships. And Genesis 2 reminds us of how much we need relationships when, he, when God is looking at Adam and saying, Adam, you are alone. And so God brings up all these animals and, and creates all these animals and says, go name them. And he still decides that there is no helper for Adam. So he says, it is not good for man to be alone. So he creates woman, the greatest gift to woman. planet earth after jesus who died on the cross for your sins and that was the ultimate gift of all time okay (laughs) so he creates woman and says we need people and we need relationships so this morning while we dig in we want to talk about why how we can do relationships well some hacks in our relationships that we can do better at and so we're going to do that with pastor sarah starting out with our first hack all right, who
1: likes Fuller House in this place? Fuller House. All right, so I live in a house full of girls who love, love Fuller House, and it takes me back to the day when DJ we all F. watched TJ, yep, nope. Friday nights, Full House. <laughs> full house I mean, the Olsen twins, come uh, on, guys. So uh, Fuller House, the relationship hack is, in order to have a full house, you have to live a life of invitation. You have to allow others in. We see in Fuller House that it's this warm setting where people are welcome in, there's a place for them at the table, and they come from all walks of life. They come from all different types of personalities, but they know that there's a place for them at the table. And it's not the commonality of the people in the room, it's that they cherish the differences between the co- between the different people in the house. Yeah. So going back to Genesis two eighteen, it says that God said it was not good for man to be alone. Just like Pastor Erica just pointed out, I think oftentimes we find ourselves in solitude or we place ourselves in solitude because of past hurt. We yeah. think that if we self uh, protect against relationships, that we won't have to endure past hurts. But the truth is, is that God doesn't want us to live in solitude. He doesn't want us to choose a life of solitude. He doesn't want us to become that person that becomes best friends with Netflix reruns, right? He doesn't want us to live through the person that we follow on Instagram, living, their, living through their life when we could be living our best life. Solitude is a choice. The difference between solitude and isolation is solitude is a choice. But God is a restorer. He's a restorer of relationships. We see that time and time again throughout the Bible, right? He makes old things new. Isaiah 43:18 says this. 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. 19. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do not do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Behold means to take hold. So we have to move forward, we have to let go of the past, we have to live in forgiveness. This does not excuse or give a free pass to somebody to just treat us however they want. Mm -hmm. Abuse has never been the heart of God. But what this means is that we can walk in the fullness that God has for us, which is being in relationship, by moving past the past. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in the desert of solitude. So if God created relationship, and we were built for relationship, how do we cultivate that in our lives? Yeah. Well, number one, we start by being a friend. We choose to live a life of imitation. Proverbs eighteen twenty four says this, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. We got to be friendly or we don't have friends, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What God is saying is that we're all born into families, but what he created was types of relationship where they can be closer than a brother. Yeah. Number two, we also have to be the kind of friend that others, we would want others to be a friend to us. So that means not having unrealistic expectation. Sometimes we often put this expectation that our friends will never meet, and that creates this unhealthy reality in our life. I know for me, there is a time walking through my darkest, darkest season and Pastor Erica just showed up. She was an amazing friend, but I had to communicate to her what I needed in that moment. I couldn't assume upon her what I needed from her. And number three, we have to choose our friends wisely. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean we don't have people in our lives we're not leading out, but this means that the people that are in our innermost circle, they're building us up, they're lifting us up, and they're pointing us back to Jesus when we're going through our most difficult times. And number 4, we have to remember that Jesus is our is the best friend we're ever going to have. Our friends are never going to replace him. I love the five love languages, but what I hate about the five love languages is that sometimes we let that replace God's place. That's true. So we can't put other people in the place of God. We have to have those realistic expectations. And when my best friend who's my husband is not giving me acts of service, I got to serve him back, yeah, right? That's good. That's good. And I got to let him, I got to let God lead my life yeah. and let him be my completion. That's yeah, that's good. So when we cultivate that in our lives, when God is our center and we know that our identity is in him, we honor the relationships better in our lives because we, ha- we come from a place of perspective that is healthy. Right. And, and, uh, Speaking of honor, Pastor Erica is going to speak to us today about honoring our relationships. Yes.
0: So how many of you seen the show Tidy Up with Marie Kondo? Tidy Up. Okay. Did you absolutely like walk away from that show and have to go clean a closet yes. or two? And then you tried folding clothes that way for like so five, five seconds and decided this is ridiculous. I don't have time for this. <laughs> it's so true. So Shiloh, uh, we were watching Tidy Up a little bit together mm-hmm. and she um, was like, Mom can we go do this to my room? And I was like, absolutely. Let's go r- get rid of all your stuff. And, and, <laughs> you know, and we're still working on that. But, um, so we go down there and we start cleaning all of her clothes out. And there's a few things I'm not trying to do. Like, thank you to a t-shirt. I'm not saying those things because I just feel like that's maybe a little ridiculous, but <laughs> the point <is> still <laughs> remains that her, that what she's trying to get across is that we honor things. Right. But now <laughs> What we're saying is like, from this, we're saying we need to honor our relationships, right? right? So our relationship hack for this is that in order to have healthy relationships, honor is a non-negotiable. Yeah. And here's the thing, honor isn't just something that we picked up as humans and like, God didn't tell us to do. It's a biblical principle. In 1 Peter two seventeen. The Bible says to honor everyone, love the brothers and the sisters, fear God and honor the emperor. And here's the idea is this word honor is translated to reverence, to hold an awe and to place a high value upon. And here's the thing in our generation, we're really bad about placing high value on the people around us, let alone the people we don't even know. Yeah. right? We like to tear down. We like to nitpick. We like to go at their character. And the reality is God is asking us no matter who they are to honor them, yeah. no matter who it is in our world, who it is in our generation. It is our job to honor them. Yep. Right. It is our job to, to place value upon them. And at the end of the day, if you can only place value on a person, because they're another human being, that's yeah. what God's asking us to do right G.K. Chesterton says this he says honor is a luxury for aristocrats but it is a necessity for hall porters what is he saying he's saying that honor isn't just due when a person reaches a certain capacity in their life Honor isn't just due when they become some kind of authority figure. Honor isn't just due when they've done the right things and played all the right parts in your life. Honor is due no matter where they're at. It's speaking to the hall porter in your life. It's speaking to the spouse in your life that hasn't quite accomplished all the things you know that God has called them to. And it's speaking to them truth and honoring them and giving them respect and love and care and saying, hey, I'm calling out the leader in you today. That's right. You are a leader, despite whether I see it or not right now, right? It's saying, I believe in you. I'm calling out those gifts in you. And so just to encourage that idea of honor, that we need to honor each other, that that is a relationship hack, like 101. We got to start in a place of honor. And like I said, sometimes we don't get to like, we don't get to see the things we see in a person, but sometimes I think we never see those things because we don't call them out in them. That's true. You know, so it's that person that's difficult in your life, it's that it, which it could be a spouse, don't look at them if it is them right now, but <laughs> like it's those people that are difficult, they're hard to understand, I don't really get it. Well, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the negative side of of them or are you honoring them and encouraging the qualities out of them that you wish to see? That's good. Because every one of us has qualities in us that have not been dug out. That's right. And I spoke on that a few weeks ago at our downtown campus and this idea of honor and how important it is to honor each other. So, Pastor Andrew, will you share with us the third yes. Netflix So, how many of you guys hat?
2: love Stranger Things? Come on, somebody! I don't hey. condone that, I'm just kidding. I don't watch that show. Um, <laughs> but as, I, as I'm like leading and like, um, preaching a lot more, every single time, like, every time I watch a show, I'm like trying to figure out like what could I get what spiritual thing can I get out of this show I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna preach about this next week Um, but (laughs) uh, for me Stranger Things this is this is kind of just what I thought like a deeper for me what Stranger Things was as I was watching it and like viewing it I'm like okay like there's some some deeper issues here and um, so for me it's about avoiding life in the upside down so in this show there's there's a group of kids for the people that have not watched there's a group of kids and their whole goal is to avoid the upside down the upside down is like a place of loneliness so in the show the upside down is a place of darkness loneliness and fear the truth is the upside down can be right on the other side of the door and falling into it can be very easy it's the ongoing spiritual battle between right and wrong holiness and sinfulness what steps can we take And what can God teach us, through scripture, about avoiding this world of darkness? Recognizing the real enemy, knowing your weaknesses, being prepared with the wisdom and discernment when the battle comes. So everybody write this down. This is my relationship hat. In healthy community, we find great accountability. In healthy community, we find great accountability. So in this show, as I was watching it, and I was watching episode after episode, I saw this ongoing theme. That when these kids separated, were it seemed like they were losing the battle it seemed like like the upside down world they were getting trapped into this thing but I as I was watching the show as they joined forces together and as they were in community it felt as if they were winning and so a lot of times like with 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 when we're walking this life out in relationships like a lot of times we want to feel like we're isolated like we're alone and in fear that's the upside-down world and that's when the enemy comes in and he attacks you when you're lonely That's when the enemy comes in and he attacks you with fear. But Ecclesiastes uh, 9, or 4, 9 through 12, it says this. Two are better than one. Everybody shout two. two. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can the one person alone keep warm? Verse 12, and if somebody overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So in knowing our weaknesses, that's where accountability comes in. So there's a lot of times in my life where I've I've felt lonely, but I've had to like say to myself, no, 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 I'm not alone. There are people around me. There's community around me. Like you can look into this room and the person that's sitting next to you, you can find community right where you are. But I think the thing, the hard thing about it is we, in, in our weaknesses, we have to know that there's always, there's always accountability. There's always going to be somebody there. So in healthy community, we find great accountability. It's good. Yeah. But I also think that it's, it's important that many times, like, like in, the, in this show, it seemed as if, like, they were always felt, like, when they were separated. Because there's many times where they were just alone. Like, they would be alone, and, and the, dark, the dark side would just come and just overpower them. But every single time, like, one or two joined together, it felt... Like there was more, there's light at the end of the tunnel. It felt like they could overcome certain things. And so my, my thing is when we're talking about relationships and we're, we're dealing with these relationship hacks, it's we have to know the importance of community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That we really have to know that there's, there's, there's power in that. Like when I'm joining forces with somebody, when I'm joining forces with this pastoral team, when I'm joining forces with my best friend, I have to know that, that there's power in that. So when I'm weak, they are strong. Right. Yeah. So they can come up to me and say, hey, you know what? Like you're not alone, dude. Yeah, You're, yeah. There's there's nothing to be ashamed about. Let's let's lift each other up. So in, 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 in our community We have to know that there's accountability. Amen, Amen. But also we have to know that what, what healthy relationships should look like and so I think that it's important that yeah. when we find our community In order for us to be healthy, we have to have healthy relationships around us yeah. And so Pastor Erica is going to yeah. talk about a little bit what unhealthy relationships can look like
0: yep. in our so lives I won't make you decide if or tell me if you've watched this show or not, but it is the vampire diaries uh. Okay. Oh, oh, we have a, a, a fan. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I did watch this show for like the first four seasons and then it got weirder than it already was. So I stopped Stop. watching, but <laughs> um, so the vampire diaries and the hack here is in order to have healthy relationships, you have to commit to not being a consumer. Come on. And we all know those people in our world who, whenever you spend time with them, you just feel drained you feel like the life and the blood got sucked out of you and you life feel suckers. drained. They're life suckers. They're soul suckers. Like, I don't know. But like, we, so we have to be committed to being in a healthy relationship by not being a consumer of our relationship. And yeah. sometimes we can get into seasons. I think there's seasons where you definitely need to lean on a friend more than another season. But yeah. if that is a constant thing, then I'd say that you need to reevaluate where one, your help is coming from and yeah. two, where your joy is at, because you shouldn't be walking into any relationship, sucking the life out of it. Right. And so I just want to encourage us with this idea. We see that this has ha- This even happened in the Bible. We look at Numbers, and um, Moses had sent some spies into the promised land where God said, it's flowing with milk and honey, and sure enough, they go into the promised land, and we find in Numbers 13, 26, them coming back and reporting to Moses what they found. So let's read, and we're going to read in 27 where it says, they reported, when we went into the land where you sent us, indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. And here's the thing, however, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified, and they go on to tell all about how, how hard it looks, how hard the promised land looks. Well, Caleb is sitting there in verse 30, and quietly, he quieted the people and said, let's go up now and take possession. Caleb's an encourager. He's like, let's go, we can do this. Let's take possession of the land, because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, "We can't attack people. can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are." So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. We must have seemed the same to them. So, what are we seeing here? We're seeing this negative attitude come out of these Israelite spies who are going in and trying to spy out the land. And instead of coming back with a good report, they come back and they nag and they say, We can't do this. And they're that person. They're draining the joy from the situation. They're this close to the promised land, and they come back and try to drain the joy out of the situation that God already said we could have this, but we're going to, but we're too scared. And so we, we don't want to be that kind of person where every time we're in a relationship and in a situation with someone that we feel comfortable with, we drain the joy out of our relationship. Yeah. We drain the joy out of the situation and we don't see God's hand in the midst of whatever it is we're going through. It's not that we walk through life fake, right? right? We don't walk yeah. through situations yeah. acting like there isn't something going on in our life. But if that's your constant, wow. there's a problem. Yeah. yeah. And I have literally had people that I stopped asking how they're doing
2: <laughs> suckers.
0: I knew the only answer because it was always the answer. Yeah. The answer was always some very long drawn out drama. And I'm thinking, I, one, I don't have time for this. And two, like... Come on, find some joy somewhere. Like, find a Marie little Kondo, happiness, thank you you, know? you can exit my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you don't want to be the kind of person I stop asking how you're doing, okay? Like, you don't want to be the kind of person where you suddenly feel distance yeah. in relationships. So ask these three questions about your relationships. Do you produce... These fruits in your relationship, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, do you produce love? Do you produce joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your relationships? Or do you produce anxiety? Wow. Do you produce drama? Yeah. Do you produce famine in your relationship? Do you produce fear in your relationship? How are you coming across do you put others before yourself? Philippians 2.4 says, let each of you not look only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. Are you putting others before yourself? When you're in a conversation, is it all about you? Did you even ask the other person how they're doing today? That's good. That's and there genuinely are relationships where I'm like, they don't even care what's going on in my life you know? And so just, can you be the kind of person that you care and put others before yourself? Do you bring joy to others and leave them feeling pleasant? I love this verse, Proverbs 27, 9. It says this, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Do you leave your friends feeling joy and peace and presence and love and all the fruits of the Spirit. That's so that's our question. So we're going to skip to number six, because Pastor Andrew's going to close out with number five, which we feel like is best for closing out. But let's okay. go ahead and have Pastor Sarah share number six. So if you're like a linear thinker, we're about to mess with your world. Mess it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> number, number six, number Wolverton, five. We'll pretend it's number five for yeah, those there who you need go. that.
2: Number five.
1: So for number six, but five, America's Got <laughs> Talent. <laughs> And the hack for America's Got Talent is in order to be your best self and find true significance, you have to care more about how he sees you than the world tells you to Come on. How many people in here know that you are not going to be the best friend you can be if you're not your best self? Right. If you have nothing to bring to the relationship, like Pastor Erica was just saying, you see in in this show that there's these people who arrive to compete against each other with all these different walks of life, these different gifts, these different talents. But something that I think we overlook is that in order to pull this show off, to make it what it is, to make us the audience excited and engaged, it takes a whole bunch of people to put the show on. It takes the host. It takes the audience, the audience engaging. It takes the judges. It takes the people who are competing. It takes all these different people to show up, to make the audience captivated, not just the competition itself. When we're competing against our friends, when we're competing against the relationship that God has us in, when we're competing for leadership in our marriage, come on, everybody, right? Yeah. When we're competing, then we can't be in unity. Right. That's good. God didn't create us differently to be in competition with each other. He created us uniquely and different so that we can make a bigger impact. Yeah. First Corinthians twelve eighteen through 20 says this, But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So how do we embrace ourselves? How do we find significance in the world that we're in when it tells us that we have to look like this or be that? We start by looking, so we start by stop looking over our shoulder, stop looking over your shoulder at the person behind you or next to you. Stay in your lane. God has you where he wants you. Spend time learning about what God says you are. There's so many scriptures in the Bible that talk about how wonderfully he made you. And number three, write down his truth. Speak it out loud. I know for me in moments in life when I'm feeling insignificant, when I'm feeling insecure, when I'm having self-doubt, I'll write what he says about me and I'll post it on my mirror and I will say it to myself because what he says about me is truth. And with that said, I think Pastor Andrew has some things to share with us about walking in foundation.
2: Yeah. So um, how many of you guys love Fixer Upper? Oh boy Jason, you know, I love Fixer-Upper, Magnolia, you know what I'm saying? Chip uh, and Joanna, we do endorse this show. this show. We do. This is yes. one show that we do endorse, yeah. Even though they're no longer doing it, more seasons. We money for it, but we endorse it. Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, so I love Fixer-Upper. Um, write this truth down. This is my relationship hack um, with Fixer-Upper. It says, when our foundation is not on Christ, then everything in our lives can waver and fall. When our foundation is not on Christ, everything in our lives can waver and and fall. You see a lot of times like when I watch the show any, any other house show I always find that when they go in like Joanna Gaines is like she she makes everything look aesthetically pleasing And then Chip goes in and he's like, okay Well, we need to fix the foundation and I noticed a lot of times in these shows that there's always something wrong with the foundation But I noticed that you can make everything look good on the outside Wow, come on, but if the foundation which is Jesus, if you're not on the foundation, which is Jesus, then everything will, 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 be shi- will shift and fall. And so and it says in this in Matthew 7, one of my favorite scriptures, 24, 27, says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on what? The rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on what? The rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. And its collapse was great. And I started noticing that in my relationships, that if there, I, I've had many relationships in my life that have come and gone. But I've noticed with all those relationships that, that if they were not founded on the rock, if they are even friendships and we weren't going to church together our lives weren't weren't aligning in the same way we weren't going the same direction i'm no longer friends with those people and i noticed that even in my marriage when when we were doing marriage counseling in the beginning of my marriage me and my wife decided caitlin pastor caitlin we decided that that we would read corinthians 13 it's a love chapter and we would read this script this 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 chapter every night to each other i'd call her and say hey let's read our read our verse before we go to bed why what were we doing we were choosing To set our relationship on the rock and you see a lot of us we can walk around in life we can rock around and we have all these relationships we have all these good people around us but if our relationship isn't found on Jesus come on winds will will fail things will happen winds will blow and that house will come crumbling down so my question is to you is every relationship that you have is it first founded Jesus come on is every relationship that you have whether it's your marriage whether that's your friend group, whether that's a relationship that you're dating right now, whatever it is, is it found in Jesus? Is it rooted in Jesus? And this show, Fixer Upper, like they can fix everything on the outside because we can come into church and look nice. We can come into church and have plastic smiles, but when we go back home to our marriage, when we go back home to relationships, when we go back home to our family, are we choosing to have a firm foundation on Jesus? Are we choosing to walk with Jesus and say, Lo, you know what? Everything in my life is so chaotic. There's sickness all over the place, but you know what? I'm going to choose to have a firm foundation on the rock. You know, winds are happening. My marriage isn't going that well at this moment, but I'm going to choose to have a firm foundation on the rock. So my question is to you, as we close out this message, are you choosing to have a firm foundation in who Jesus is? And everything, in every relationship that you may encounter, is it first found the rock. Amen. Will you stand with me in this moment as we close?